Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Dane Christensen. Hello. And Megan Strand. Hey. And we are the Naked Marketers again. Again. Uh, we're the professionals. We're the professionals. I'm uh, Dane is out in the nature. Dane, you're out in your yard. <laughs> still. Yeah, should I take my shoes still? off and walk around on the grass? <laughs> shoes, shoes and shirt. Shoes and shirt. And the shirt. Be a real you know what? That, you're right. Thanks for the reminder. Uh-huh. Men, men without shirts. Men without that is shirts. Definitely where we're going. That's right. Uh, and uh, we are doing this uh, this part of the show a second time. And so, it, if it sounds curt and to the point, that's because it's well rehearsed. <laughs> because I lost it the first time. That's what happens when you're literally. a pro. I literally lost it. I'm. And so, uh, to Megan and Dane, I'm so sorry. And now, we love you. On to our well rehearsed news portion. Of the show. Oh wait, we have a great interview coming up. Uh, we have uh, uh, Jana Taylor uh, from Benevity. What? Where did so you exciting. find this, uh, Jana Taylor? You know what? It's it's an interesting story. Uh, the the CEO of Benevity actually left a comment on my blog, and I was interested and and checked them out, and ended up doing an interview with him. And I've been watching what they've been doing over the past several months, ever since. So. Um, They've just been getting a lot of great media attention, and I uh, thought she'd be a great guest. You know, where where is that blog again? My blog? Yeah. It's a good My post. Blog? People should go read it. It you is should... a good post. It's it's at <laughs> encouraged.com. Well, it's a good post because it's primarily Brian DeLottenville talking. It's not really me writing. So. Well, it is a good post, and it's a good backgrounder on uh, That's right. uh, on this guest should... that we have coming up. So go okay. read it. It's like homework. Uh, before the show, and uh, uh, so now on to the news. Can I I want to hear Dane talk about this first story. What is the first story? Who can, can Megan? What is the first story? Sure. Yeah, give me uh, give me the names of the companies. Yeah. Okay. So Interflora <laughs> is suing Interflora. Marks and, are you taking notes in the grass? Is, <laughs> is suing Marks and Spencer over their choice of Google AdWords keywords because essentially what Marks and Spencer Flowers Online has done is chosen Interflora as one of their keywords and paid arguably probably a lot of money to appear very high up in the ranking. So anytime somebody Googles Interflora, MS Flowers Online pops up right underneath beneath Interflora, and this has made Interflora mad, and they are suing Marks and Spencer. So I think it's it's very interesting because most of us have used Google AdWords at one time or another. So here's a lawsuit. There have been previous lawsuits that have not gotten anywhere um, in, in a similar vein, but Interflora is arguing that because it can be confusing, M&S, Marks and Spencer could be confused as one of their official partners that that is why they are suing. Well, official partners and, and you know, yeah, and loss of, of business as a result of that confusion, right? right? I mean, that's the real crux of it. That's what they have to prove in order to make any go anywhere with this. I think they have to prove that it imp- impinges upon their trademark rights. Right, but that's the that's the bottom line. I mean, they're not going to be able to 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 go anywhere with a with a case, right, in court if they can't prove actual damages. Right. Yeah. Okay. Dane, what do you think? Why about do we I, I don't know. Why this is, I don't have an opinion. <laughs> Just kidding. No, this is. Um, <laughs> ah, that it is actually just really aggravates me. It. it <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. If you're looking for a company 
and and you think, well, I need either that company or I need one of their official distributors because I need a, a product from that company that, I, and I trust that company or I trust their brand or I don't even know what these guys carry or do, but. Uh, anyway, if you end up on, if, 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 so the one company has paid good money to, uh, be ranked number one on the advertising side of the results, which are not real search results, uh, they're advertisements, um, and people click that site and say, no, no, not what I'm looking for. Well, that's money lost by the competitor. So, you know, really... I yeah, I just I think it's 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 really common practice and and maybe people don't know this or I don't know. It's just, it's just very very common practice for companies. To, this the- is we're talking about ganging AdWords, right? To for me, and this is why I always buy advertising, buy my Google AdWords for Strike 10 I, Media. Strike 10 Media because I, I want my name to come up next to Dane Christensen's search results. Well, and, you know, and my my name and yeah, it has cachet Um, and, and, you know, that's money you're spending. So if you want to spend your money that way, uh, if it helps you, then, then, then if it helps you, then shame on me for not being more competitive and, and doing the same thing or competing in a better way or having a website that shows up higher in the natural search results for that term, which is, you know, the place it should be showing up, right. uh, or having a website that's attractive and compelling and an offer that's attractive and compelling. I mean, these are the things that are critical. So you, you think this to, is to, much to, ado about nothing. Well, it is and it isn't because it's, it's not without precedent and people have tried to argue that the name of their company uh you, you know is a brand and, and is protected as a, as a trademark and therefore you could not use that in in um you know as a search term but i, I you know wow not only is it um well, it's just not clear. So, right? I mean, it's it's a lawsuit for a reason, and and we'll see what happens. But it's not the first time uh, people uh, have not in the past ever won these kinds of arguments. Uh, states have attempted legislation along these lines and have been advised by legal counsel, uh, I believe, in every case, to abandon that pursuit um, because of the the potential for. Um, uh, for lots of legal battles that that would be very costly, and of course, you know the the uh, the endless um, bank account of of Google uh, would fight it as far as they need to fight it. Um, they're obviously probably not fighting. They're not this. suing Google no, because nobody's suing Google. Nobody's and Google's suing Google, is, but Google gets suing, involved. Yeah, yeah, well, in this case, Google is you know they're on the record from the last time they were they when they actually were sued. User interest is best served by maximizing the choice of keywords. Our guiding principle has always been that advertising should benefit users. Uh, you know, that's, but there's a, and there's a lot being said there. You know, I mean, it sounds maybe quippy, I guess, but it's. There is a lot being said there, which is that they're not saying behind the scenes uh, how, you know, when you're when you're competing for your competitors terms, when you're when you're saying I want to bid for, you know, phrase variations and to make it and it's never as simple as, oh, so we'll just have this one campaign where it's just the name of that company and that's it and it'll serve up this one ad. Um, it's probably lots of variations and, and that the, the other, the competitor's name is thrown in there on some level or, you, you know, but then your, your ad, you can't, your ad has to be approved. You can't be misleading. Your website has to have relevancy to the search. 
And your website has to do some level of performance. I mean, if people 99% of the time click the ad that you paid for to compete against, you know, your competitor's name, 99% of the time they click it and exit immediately, bounce right off the site, uh, a couple of things will happen. One, the amount you have to pay Google for that click goes way up because it's, it's not an effective ad. Your quality score is not good. Uh, and if it's not relevant, there are things, I mean, there, there's a total separation between the advertising side of Google and, and the natural search results, but there's still a, um, an, an overriding sense of, of relevancy. So when they say, you know, that it needs to serve uh, the users or however they put it, um, that does play into advertising. Advertising, uh, uh, you know, on, on paid search isn't just a free-for-all. And again, it's your money, right? So yeah. And and again, I was going to say, like, this is definitely not uncommon at all uh, for companies to compete uh, for for terms that involve their competitor's name. But in my experience, uh, I don't see it as being highly effective. I've definitely shut down campaigns that focused on competitors because they really had poor performance. Well, that's probably the bottom line of the whole conversation. You can and, and, you know. I, I I would suggest that part of the reason that Interflora is pursuing this entire thing is because their brand name is, you know, they see their brand name as trademark of infringement, and they have gotten counsel that says you have to defend your trademark. And, uh, you know, that, like you said, it has precedent, but it also has precedent on other levels, too. They have to defend their trademark so that they can show they've done due diligence. Well, and that's, that's, see, awesome. that's where I think they won't they won't win, in my opinion. It's just my, I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I don't, oh, don't I, I see what you're saying, Pete. And of course that's, that's pretty um, par for the course in American business. Um, you know, you, you do everything to protect your trademark. And if that's the argument, you know, um, that, that one hasn't had real sway in the past, but uh, whatever, you know, we'll see how this case yeah. um, um, rolls out. But um, the, the other thing is people, there, there are people whose argument is that this is somehow unfair. And that's what I don't believe. I don't believe it's unfair on any level. But there are people who, who that's their whole basis is it's an unfair competitive. Um, when, when you say the practice. people, when you say the people, are you referring to me? <laughs> I'm referring to. You didn't um, say it was unfair. I didn't say it was, it was unfair. I said it was rude. <laughs> okay. Rude. Same thing. Right. No. How could they? It's no. my. My, those are my people that are looking for me. No, well, if they're looking I, for you, they'll find you. They will find me, and that's that's the about you. Hey, you convince me. It's not rude. It's par for the course. I'm going to go slap well, somebody in know. the face. <laughs> it's uh, capitalism. <laughs> capitalism's messy. Can we talk oh, about the pica wow. now? Yes, I would love to Do you talk. Think it's pica or pica? I, well, I don't care because somebody's going to eat it. Somebody it's food. It? It's not food. We're speaking of making much ado about nothing. This is a great campaign. I don't All know right. what you're talking about. Tell me why. So, so why should okay. I care? So here is a great, fabulous new campaign that um, allows you as a consumer to check in via Foursquare at a billboard. Okay, That's so get brilliant. this. Get this. Earth Justice is a nonprofit environmental law firm. And in San Francisco, they've put up this series of billboards that's um, essentially a campaign to save the endangered pika, or pika, which is this cute little furry thing. We have a picture of it. It's not food. We have a picture of it on our show notes. 
Anyway, so when you are when you see one of these billboards, the message on the billboard is essentially to check in via Foursquare, and when you do, a ten dollar donation will be given to save the pika or the pika or whatever this animal is called, and it's uh it's a, a private donation they've leveraged on the back end of I think it's fifty thousand dollars. But so anyway, you check in and you unlock a ten dollar donation to protect this little cute little fuzzy thing. So the reason this is brilliant is not only is it helping this cute little fuzzy animal. It is also giving the, I don't know who actually owns the outdoor billboards. I don't know if they get are privy to this data, but it gives Earth Justice at the very minimum um, some great marketing data about which billboards are pulling. It's tying an action to an actual billboard so they can see which billboards and which locations are performing better and which are generating most activity. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's no, also it, brilliant. I think that came because for a while I was the mayor on Foursquare of the Ross Island Bridge, which <laughs> which ends up being uh, fairly useless because there is no marketing there. This billboard, yeah, but that's your little game. there's you data. No, no, no. Your... I mean, this is this adds a whole new layer to to you know of data and analysis yeah. that you can now segment individual campaigns much more effectively. Well, uh, outdoor brand campaigns much more effectively by actual activity. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I did too. So in, in addition to, to feeding um, Pete's fame whorishness, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, where I, is I, this going? I know. I, I have a, I, I need a clarification. Is there more than one location of this one billboard? There are three. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. I, actually, I looked over that the first time around. So, Fabulous. I mean, in this case, they're doing, they're testing, uh, I assume, a test uh, of this one campaign. And yeah, they're going to get information on um, which locations seem to serve. And it isn't, of course, as we know in marketing, it isn't necessarily like which location had the most visibility, but which location seemed to target their demographic. um, Mm -hmm. And and that's the information that'll be the most valuable, I think. I mean, if they get you know, 50 votes, uh, and, uh, 40 of them came from one of the three locations that tells you something really, really valuable if you're a marketer. Uh, and to see this kind of thing expanding onto a larger scale, which, um, let's assume we will, I think it's great for marketing. Well, I mean, you think back to, you know, when the budgets get slashed, I can't think of a company, uh, an ad department that didn't slash outdoor. Outdoor. I mean, that's that they took a, a major hit uh, over the last three years. They take, they've taken yeah. an incredible it's, hit. Outdoor is an easy target for budget cuts. You're yeah. right. Because, you know, if you're sitting in a in a heated meeting and every every department's, you know, losing money and you say, OK, show us show us how that billboard was effective. That That's yeah. one of the most difficult ones <laughs> yeah. to say, well, yeah, it, gosh, you know, nine out of 10 customers are calling saying they saw us <laughs> on the billboard. And it's right. It just doesn't, but I, and I think there are billboards that are a waste of time and money. I, I think billboards can be done wrong. I think billboards that there's no way you can really tell <laughs> what they're advertising right. or what the company is, or, you know, I mean, people try to pack too much information. You see a lot of bad ones, but then right. you see some great ones and think, you know, I mean, there's such a great way to brand and, and, um, you know, you just have to do, do them right. You have to do them well. And I think to have more information, like which locations are really hitting your target audience, fabulous. Yeah, this, this uh, suddenly, I think tying it into social media suddenly makes outdoor much more useful and relevant. And I think it's Absolutely. a great, great, great use, even Me if too. it's the pika. pika. What do you mean even? It's Seriously. a cute funny thing. In Apple News... Peter? Oh, yeah, we had some Apple news. Well, there was a bunch of Apple news. First of all, AdAge uh, seems to think that Apple does some pretty good marketing and gave them the lauded, much sought after 
in their own minds, Marketer <laughs> of the Decade Award. Did they just make that up one day, I, or is I, that really an award? I, I don't know. I think they may have. They have, may have just made it up. If they, if you know, if you use a word enough times, it be, eventually hits the dictionary. That's that's what we've seen here, and and it's it's good. I mean, Apple has had a a long string of of really slam dunk uh, product launches and successful ad campaigns. Starting All, with the switch starting with the, well, yeah. Lest we lest we start at the genesis of the uh, of Apple's rebirth, of greatness of greatness. The switch campaign eight years ago. Nay, if only ago. if only we'd known to buy stock when we saw Pete Wright in an <laughs> Apple ad. You know what I'm saying? Well, how, uh, ri- how say rich would we be? Some people, some people knew that they just had to make the leap, <laughs> and uh, and they made that leap, Dane. It, it's a uh, it was a powerful uh, powerful <laughs> testament to the power of, of broadcast advertising, uh, and uh, and it started something really great uh, for. Well, I'm getting way off track. Uh, let's talk about me some more. You're doing it so well, though. Yeah, not a fame whore at all. The- Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the real story it. is what happened yesterday. They had the uh, the back to the Mac event at uh, down at, at Cupertino in the town hall uh, on the Apple campus, and they announced a whole bunch of things. Um, and there are some that are actually relevant to marketing and, in particular, distribution. Um, they uh, made a bunch of hardware manufacturers angry about releasing a uh, laptop without a hard, uh, a typical cylindrical rotating hard drive. Yeah, it's really thin. You should. Go get one because it's pretty fancy. But they uh, they announced the new version of their operating system, Lion. It's a very fancy Lion. Uh, lots of good things in there. You should look at that too if you're into Apple stuff. But then they announced uh, in 90 days they're opening the App Store for the Mac. So Apple software, you'll be able to go uh, launch this app on uh, download the app launch it in, on your computer, and buy software just like you can now through the App Store for the iPad and iPhone. Well, clearly, the App Store model has been a resounding success for iOS. About 300,000 apps, uh, well over a billion apps sold, lots and lots of credit cards in the uh, Apple ID database. Uh, and so they're very proud of that, and they're trying to extend that model to the desktop. From a convenience perspective for the from a user I think it's fantastic. I would love to be able to have a central resource to um, to be able to buy software. In fact, to buy, I actually, to buy my my Apple Crack. In in fact, I actually uh, I I think I blogged or tweeted about this two, two three years ago. Why don't we have this for the desktop? Well, here we do, and it's it's really fantastic in terms of the engine. What they're talking about is you you know you click buy just like you do on the uh, on the iPhone. It downloads the app to your computer. Uh, you it feeds you updates as your software is updated, so it keeps all. All of your third-party software up to date. There's real incentive as a user to buy your software through this platform. Now, the flip side of that is as a developer, especially a small software house, there is also suddenly incentive to be in that store and to abide by the brand new set of rules and regulations that uh, that Apple has imposed on what it takes to be in that store. You can't develop with certain you know code platforms you can't have certain content they're they're really kind of putting their thumb down on what you can and cannot have in your software yes unlike the iphone you can still buy software from outside of the app store on the mac but but from a developer's perspective does it make sense to um, you know to really pursue being in the app store yeah. wow hey, that quick was recommendation quick synopsis yeah way to go Thank you, Peter. Uh, 
and just a if we could maybe in the future have sound effects on the show. I, I want. Oh, I would that'd like. Be awesome. Wouldn't it be? Dude, and I want the sound effects. Okay. Well. Okay. I'll get some handy for next time. I was going to do like a toot your own horn one. Like every time Pete <laughs> says something, like I'm I a- tweeted. I tweeted about this. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say. I wanted to. Ha- I, I can and imagine I have not gotten credit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I can just sort of honk, honk. There he goes, oh tweeting his horn. Yeah. Uh, and herein lies the reason why the naked marketer should not do the show twice because we just get completely <laughs> now dane i think Sorry. you said in addition to making fun of me i think you also had a point <laughs> you thought i was gonna make a point didn't you turns, um, turns out you weren't yeah. right no no just making fun of you no sorry well anyway uh no obviously uh there there's the issue i guess of having to abide by the app store rules and how that might uh, impose on Very somebody's ample. sense of freedom, I guess. But yeah, um, benevolent dictatorship, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, but also opens up opportunities for developers. Uh, I, I mean, that's part of why uh, the app store uh, for the iPhone has um, has sort of launched a, 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 this whole cottage industry because it really wasn't uh, just the huge names getting involved up front and making uh, you know really expensive applications um, it's it's the you know two brothers in brooklyn who are launching doodle jump you know right. and that's the kind of thing we love to see right so it, it in a way kind of um you know i mean it's less i guess sort of uh open or or free than than uh than we like to <laughs> we like things to be i guess in 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 a, a theoretical sense i suppose but um uh, you know, you just love the idea of getting exposure to, to to like startup companies. And speaking of which, did you guys hear EA uh, EA Games or EA what is it? EA Games just yeah. bought the publisher for Angry Birds. Yes, and and uh, I mean that, that. I was just thinking that very story. I mean, here's a company that, um, or here is a, a you know a couple of developers who who put a lot of sweat into Angry Birds, built a game company out of it, released. The second crack addictive game, Cut the Rope. If you haven't gotten Cut the Rope, Ooh, a new it one? is Ooh. it's better. I I think Cut it's the even, Rope is yeah, better. It it is totally addictive. It's number one. And uh, um and interestingly, EA agreed to buy the game publisher for twenty million dollars, excluding Angry Birds. They get to keep that on their own uh, wow. and not roll that into EA. So you know, I mean, it's a it, this is a. Um, you know, it looks like a, a lot of work went into it. It looks like it's an overnight success, and of course, overnight successes always take many years um, and a lot of hard work. But, but this is this kind of is the case that proves the point to the App Store. I mean, it's that it's it's a, a place to really drive some publicity that developers haven't had. Um, yeah, it's 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 an it's an open. I mean, for now, anyway, it's there, there's a lot of room for competition, and it might be interesting to see if the App Store. Yeah. Uh, on the Mac for um, desktop desktop software uh, uh, creates more companies and and creates more opportunities, and I would assume that that it that it would. Um, yeah, I think it's good, and I think we should. Uh, uh, what what is the night that we had one more thing to talk about? Starbucks. Oh yeah, this is the best thing ever, except for it's not. <laughs> so. Um, NPR did a story about Starbucks and how they recently have undertaken a customer survey and were surprised to hear that their consumers thought their coffee was just average compared to competitors. Now, I personally find this hilarious because 
I'm surprised that they're surprised because everybody knows Starbucks is on every corner. Their coffee's fine, but it's not good. I mean, it's not great. It's okay. But, um, you know, what they're doing to mitigate this, you know, surprising fact is asking their baristas to slow down and not make 29 cups of coffee at once, but only make two cups of coffee at once. So yeah, that's actually being- not being sarcastic either. That's starting oh, next month. They just to be clear, it's for you know listeners who may have made it this far. <laughs> they actually are going have been instructed to only make two, co- two cups, cups of, of coffee yep. at once. That is fascinating. But I here's don't know you know how what effective it gets that's going to be. No, well, Although, you know, well, you've got a down. venti thing. You've got a venti. Th- I get, they, I get too much foam. I know I should. Pro- I don't even know what I should. Do you be. say Starbucks has c- totally conditioned Fenty, me. La, 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 light foam. No, I should now though. I should say that light, light, light foam. The, 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 you know, I order my twenty ounce drink and I get sixteen ounces of coffee and four ounces of white cloud foam loveliness, <laughs> and it's not. And, and you've want. been thinking that's their uh, that's their way of boosting profit uh, margins. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's a same store sales gag. Oh, uh, that no, is – you have just made me a conspiracy it's just, theorist. It's just foamy milk. Here's the thing is I'm surprised – it just occurred to me that they're – why are they surprised that their coffee is just average when, speaking of the law of averages, since they are the largest purveyor of all coffee on the planet, wouldn't they be the average? Oh, very scientific. And 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 you guys live in the Northwest where it's the land of coffee, and you've had great coffee shops for a long time. Coffee. Yeah, yeah. And, but I was going to say, I mean, for a lot of uh, the flyover states here, um, uh, I, Starbucks kind of <laughs> Starbucks kind of raised the bar on coffee quality once upon a time, and now became the average. Yeah, or has since become the average. So now, yeah, yeah that how, how did this me. information get made public? Did Starbucks? I I, I didn't ask uh, my sources at NPR where they got their story. Christian Foden Wenzel? I don't know. (laughs) You know, Christian Foden Wenzel? No, Uh, No, it's not him. (laughs) Well, I uh, I don't have anything else to say other than I wanted to go back to this Apple thing. What do what do you did you guys hear the rumor? Somebody has floated uh, that you know because because Steve Jobs invited. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg to dinner, and I really? quote: "I quote a stroll." Really? <laughs> yeah, dinner and a stroll. Now, now, uh-huh. now. Everybody uh, originally, everybody thought, well, this was all about ping. Remember that yeah, much, yeah, much that maligned, <laughs> maligned yeah. by me social network that Apple Which, has. By the way, with. I signed up for, and you're right, Pete. I, I take it's back my lame. argument. It's just limp. It is. <laughs> Ping is impotent. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, and that's what, that Steve wanted to address the impotence of Ping and and talk to Mark. And then some enterprising financial uh, reporter said, you know, Apple has 51 godzillion dollars in the bank. Uh, and there is now talk of uh, Apple actually buying Facebook. Oh, I doubt that. That's Do you? happen. I, doubt uh, I don't know what I. I doubt it. I think it's actually uh, it, it's actually counter to Apple wisdom. But you know, it's I out there. Think, it's the rumor. I think Jobs just needs a source for higher quality pot. His his take is that let let it go, let it go. His <laughs> you know, Jobs said in the earnings call, which was astounding. 
uh, that they, you know, they're saving their money for the one or two big significant moves that they need to make. And if they're talking acquisitions, it's going to be one or two big ones. Not the little kind of uh, not so, so many not of the, the little Facebookies. That actually no, is. no, Facebook would be one I'm of the big kidding. ones. I'm just kidding. I know that. I'm I just mean, what are they? They're they're uh, they're estimated thirty. Maybe Facebook billion? is going to buy Apple. <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> it'll so. be just like that AOL Time Warner thing. Yeah, that went uh, well. That, that's so you guys. Just, so you guys, you, know, you guys think that it's uh, it's not going to happen? They they're going to. I, gonna I, I don't think so. I I think that. Um, and this is something we didn't quite talk about, I think, about uh, when you're talking about Apple's uh, pre- or news release or um, back to Mac day, um, that uh, the iLife suite is now so much richer in, in its ability to connect on a social level and to connect with. Uh, so it's doing some great things to make it easier to use, to make it quicker to use, um, you know, video editing and, and uh, um, photo editing, et cetera. But now it it. it connects with your social networks in, 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 in much deeper ways than it has before, making it easier to upload and share, making it easier to, um, on, on some level, even be integrated. When we're talking about iPhoto, the comments that you upload from fi- I- iPhoto to your Facebook page, the comments people make on Facebook come back to your iPhoto uh, on, your, on your desktop. So that's kind of crazy. Well, and and I, I just, I would see more sort of working together than I would see, uh, hey, Facebook, it makes perfect sense for us to buy you because it doesn't yeah. doesn't make any sense. I don't it, think. No, I don't think it does actually. I, you know, we didn't actually talk about that the um, the iLife relaunch in the context of the tools that we use day to day to produce content and the social integration is one. the The updates to iMovie, I I know a bunch of professionals, myself included, who make who do rough cut and and in some cases final work on iMovie just because it's very very fast. It's the it's the application you use when you're cranking up your laptop on an airplane. So you take your footage and you know how long is it going to take you to do a rough cut of a small project and could you do it on a on a on a trip and and uh, what they have done with iMovie is really fantastic. The bottom line is now you have some very quick sharing uh, tools to get your projects out on not just YouTube but now Facebook, um, uh, Vimeo. Vimeo. Um, what were the other ones? CNN, I reporter. So you can do, you could upload your, you know, your press related media to CNN. That's the, that is the, one of these things is not like the other one kind of moment. I think it's really interesting that that one's part of the, part of the suite and great. I think it's great. I think we're going to see so much more media, professional grade media taken or, or professionally placed media that's taken with an iPhone, um, you know, handset i think it's i think we're on the cusp of seeing a lot more of that media used in broadcast as a result of some of this so well there's been kind of this middle ground created i think where the quality of uh the 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 quality of the display of of the media has come up so you know youtube the quality of a video on youtube now is a lot better than it was four years ago um certainly the quality on vimeo is is much better and then there's this huge accessibility for hardware, like iPhones now shoot in 720p uh, HD. Um, so, it, so I guess instead of you know all really high end software and and hardware and you know uh, getting better and better and better, which it has, mm-hmm. I see this sort of middle ground where it's it's there's kind of this point we've hit, I think, where um, a company isn't going to be really afraid of of a video that is shot on a phone and uploaded through YouTube 
because it might not look that bad. Right. Whereas once upon a time, it would have looked horrible and nobody would have want, wanted, you know, anything that their branding uh, portrayed that way. Um, and, and, you know, back to the, the, the era when most websites with video on the site was sort of hosted on, you had to choose, you know, do you want to watch it on real player, quick time, Windows, yeah. Windows Media. I'm so annoying and, oh, this one isn't loaded and I don't have access to load programs and so crazy. But um, you know what I mean? We're kind of at that point where, um, and I guess we're maybe just getting started, right? But but the thing that you carry in your pocket shoots pretty good quality video and your ability to upload it from right there at the event to a cloud-based solution like YouTube or Facebook to share it. Um, well, it, you know, it, it gets it, to this point of being able to share your customer, your client, your your partner stories as quickly as possible, and that's and and to really grease the skids. I mean, it, to lower kind of uh, the the barriers to actually getting your story out there, and um, uh, you know, it really creates. It's one of the sort of real tenets of of kind of social media PR. It really creates you 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 create your own media agency in every company, and and that's a. Uh, uh, small, medium, large, you have so many more more tools available to do that and do it quickly and do it well. And, and, and can I just ask you guys, do you, by the way, um, when you're talking to companies about their social media strategy, and do you encourage them um, to to kind of work it that way, to, to talk to their employees and to, to um, you know, when they're at events, for instance, that might be industry-related events, to take pictures and to, and to be willing to share those or to be part of the conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean that's. I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it is written, and so, and it, so it shall is written. be done. <laughs> it's it. I just I I enjoy that. I think yeah. that's one of the interesting things that's sort of happening and evolving. And some companies are really open to it and say, "Yeah, well, we've got this. You know, we've got a, a camera that's available to all the employees, and they just need to check it out." And and you know, I try to help them take that just a step further. And hey, why don't you make you know, why don't you find out? Why don't you ask who's going to which event that we want to post or blog? And let's organize it a little bit. Um, yeah. But it, but it's so nice to see companies who are willing to just say, like, of course, our entry level, you know, um, customer service rep can can take pictures and, and upload them for the company. Uh, and then a lot of other companies who are still like, hell no, yeah, no, our PR uh, person and our marketing legal. department, it's yeah, be approved it, by legal, yeah. We're not letting anybody get involved in that conversation. Well, and, and you know, speaking of this, uh, I think it's about time that we actually bring the smarts. Let's do it. We are thrilled to be joined today by Jana Taylor from Benevity Social Ventures. Jana, welcome to the Naked Marketers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Benevity is a company that I learned about a couple of months ago that has created a platform that it, it really empowers companies to embed philanthropic and charitable giving into their existing websites, whether they're internal websites or external websites, um, really anywhere they're doing business, um, just enabling companies to be more strategic and intelligent about giving. Um, my understanding of Benevity's vision is that one day, giving will become more of a cultural utility. So instead of seeing campaigns left and right all over, really consumers will be able to be much more streamlined in um, giving to the cause of their choice, uh, 
the founder of Benevity, Brian DeLottenville, says uh, making it as easy t- as leaving a tip at a restaurant. I love that vision. So we're thrilled to have Jenna here with us today as the marketing mind behind Benevity. So Jenna, we were, we were hoping you could just start out. Um, maybe uh, I'm personally very familiar with, with charitable and philanthropic giving as far as, as companies are concerned, but um, our listeners may not be as seasoned as, as you are. So I wonder if you could give us an example um, about how the Benevity platform actually works and, and how a consumer might, might engage with, the, with this type of platform. Sure, and thank you for the great introduction that, that really sets the stage. Benevity is, is all about, uh, as Megan uh, alluded to in the introduction, embedded giving. So um, first, to take a step back, what Benevity has built is a micro-donation platform that essentially is a highly customizable giving engine. So businesses of, of all shapes and sizes um, can use Benevity to embed optional um, user-directed, meaning that their, their end users, their customers and employees um, are able to, to choose, um, it embeds that type of open choice giving into any business transaction that's, um, that's happening. So really the idea is all these business transactions are occurring every day. Let's build giving into them and um, let's give companies an, an easy way um, to build optional giving in. And the question that always comes up is why? And that might be something to touch on for uh, a minute. And really it's, it's to um, cause marketing has been shown um, and, and increasingly is shown to um, be one way, not the only way, it's not a silver bullet, um, but it is one way for companies to engage their, um, their employees and their customers in giving and create a connection that's more values-based. Um, so what we're trying to do is give companies an, an easy way to do this because when you look back, so the idea of, of um, the idea of, of cause marketing is not really new. It's been around since the 1980s, and um, I think people are, are pretty um, familiar with the idea of, of cause marketing, especially in October, um, because uh, anyone who happens to be female or anyone who happens to go anywhere is, is pretty aware of, uh, of cause marketing, particularly um, in October because it is breast cancer month, and there are a lot of uh, cause marketing offers that are being focused at women at this particular um, time of the year. So that's, the idea of cause marketing isn't really new, um, but when you, when you look at it, um, companies uh, haven't necessarily had ways to, um, to be able to offer a lot of choice in an easy way and to be able to build giving opportunities right into their business. And that's why traditionally in cause marketing, you see a one-to-one relationship. You see um, one company and they've chosen, you know, one cause and aligned and and aligned themselves with a cause that that uh, fits their theme, whether it's health, education, or so on. And um, it's in the last little while we've seen um, some companies that have that have tried to use um, social media. So a great example is Target and their Bullseye campaign and their Super Love campaigns. Um, as well as Chase uh, Manhattan Bank and their community giving program. And really what's happening is people are saying, hey, you know, social media is all about two-way interaction. So how can we bring that into cause marketing and get people involved? And what's interesting is that it's still um, uh, those initiatives are are definitely, uh, well, they're not so new anymore, but a couple of years ago they were very new and they were all about trying to increase engagement and get people involved. Um, But ironically, sometimes with uh, voting-based things, 
um, when your when your ch charity or cause isn't chosen, it, it can uh, sometimes uh, sometimes backfire. So um, so with with Benevity, um, we are trying to help companies build uh, choice driven giving into their um, into their businesses. And uh, an example that um, that Megan is familiar with. So so Benevity could be built into an online uh, commerce. Um, uh, Online commerce and online store. Um, it could be um, built. It could be used in a loyalty application. So any anywhere that uh, companies have loyalty points, they could enable their customers to redeem those loyalty points to make a charitable donation to their charity of choice. Um, this is like my. Yeah. I could convert my airline miles into charitable donation kind of a thing. Is that what you're talking about? Similar affinity uh programs. Yeah, similar, exactly, absolutely. And it could be from a consumer perspective. It could also be from an employee perspective. We actually have quite a few implementations with employee incentive providers, so companies that are um, providing, um, they are basically the platforms for um, employee incentive programs that are based on, you know, salespeople are incented or um, people are incented for following safety procedures or people are rewarded as employees for being at a company for a certain amount of time or certain performance goals. And, um, and we have a number of those clients who have added charitable donation um, to their rewards redemption option. So it's the same idea as, as a consumer application, but it's basically an, an employee receives points um, they go into their online rewards catalog, and now they're able to make a donation to charity instead of, you know, redeeming it for air miles or an iPod or a toaster or that kind of thing. And it's it's something that increasingly employees are asking for, as well as um, and and then the companies that employ those people, because it's becoming increasingly important for people to be able to have ways to give back in their looking to the companies that they work for and the companies that they buy from to help them give back. Well, and that was that um, was one of the questions that, you know, Megan and I were kind of uh, talking before uh, you joined our call in the pre-show here about, uh, you know, here, one of the examples was this bank, uh, this banking example. If I, if you, um, you know, if, if my bank had a tab on there that said, you know, here's your, here's your dashboard of all your, your charitable donation, your charitable giving, and here's, here are your repeating payments, and it's totally integrated where I am doing my banking, I would be more likely to use or stay with my bank than I would to be with another bank. Um, but, uh, you know, when you say customers are asking for this, employees are asking for this, um, talk to us a little bit about the data that backs that up. Where where are you getting the information that supports, uh, you know, building and engaging your business like this? And what does that look like in the in the marketplace? How are you telling that story to employers and institutions that you want to build these partnerships with? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And so there's um, you can kind of consider it from the consumer uh, angle and from the employee angle. One of the most often quoted um, reports is from Cone, which is a very well-known cause marketing uh, consultancy. And um, their uh, 2010 Cone Cause Evolution Report came out a few, I guess, probably a month ago. And in that report, they had some interesting nuggets, including the fact that although there's an increased prevalence of cause marketing offers being made to people, 83% um, of American consumers are, are looking for more cause-related um, offers. And um, what's interesting is they also broke it down in terms of, in terms of uh, some particular segments, and what they found is that um, overall, people are looking for more cause marketing offers, and um, 
88% of consumers say it's acceptable for companies to involve a cause or issue in their marketing, but that rises up to uh, 92%, or pardon me, uh, 94% of millennials, so people aged 18 to 24, and 95% of moms. So that's one uh, key thing, and, and in that report, they actually talk about consumers as well. They, they talk about the fact that 81% of their employees want their companies to offer matching to support nonprofits, and 77% of employees want their companies to support Dollars for Doers programs. So we find that really interesting uh, data because one of the things that uh, um, I didn't touch on um, but, but should be emphasized is, is that is part of the Benevity platform is not only is it embeddable, um, but it's also, as I was saying uh, much earlier, highly customizable in the sense that the Benevity platform in whatever application, whether it's being embedded in an online store or whether it's being embedded in online marketing, um, can enable the, the host company who's implemented Benevity to um, to be really flexible both from their perspective and from their end user's perspective. They can, the company can create cause portfolios, which is really like you can think of it as a mutual fund of causes. So if the company already supports, for example, um, children's charities, they could create the ABC Bank or ABC Company uh, Kids Portfolio and, and make a selection of, of five charities that they're, they already corporately support. And they can create a fund, the ABC Kids Fund. Um, and back to your, your banking example, uh, they could um, showcase the um, they could enable people to um, earn, perhaps they earn donation rewards for taking on new services or they are able to fund their donation, their giving account by saying, yeah, I want to take uh, $10 off my bank account every month and put it into my giving account. So there are many different ways to, to fund the giving. And then the bank can make the customers aware of, Here's, here are the causes that we support uh, corporately. Here's the ABC, ABC Bank Kids Fund. And they can also create um, matching offers so that um, if people, um, people are, their customers aren't able to give to any cause, um, but the customer, if the customer gives to the ABC Bank Kids Fund, then the bank will match it. Mm-hmm. And we're That's seeing exciting. that. Yeah, it's, it's a great idea. And one of the things I love about Benevity is, and I'm, I'm wondering if we can kind of talk a little bit more generally about about marketing and how you're telling the Benevity story. One of the things I love about Benevity is the fact that, you know, I feel personally like consumers are being inundated on on all angles, especially in October, as you mentioned, by different cause campaigns. One of the things that Benevity is doing is kind of taking this to the next level and really turning it into more of, of, a, of an everyday transactional thing. So it's not necessarily a campaign that runs for six weeks. It's there all the time. You're talking about these great cause portfolios. So I'm curious to know, just from a marketing perspective, how, you know, you're, you're kind of raising the bar a little bit. You're, you're taking an existing popular demanded service and you're raising the bar a little bit for companies and for consumers. So how, from a marketing perspective, are you telling the story both to companies um, and is there a consumer component in what you're trying to do as well and, and educate consumers about better ways to leverage their, their giving and, and more intelligent ways to, to leverage their donation dollars? Sure. Um, so kind of uh, in terms of how we're marketing, um, we're, we're basically taking a multifaceted approach. So one, one approach is we are being highly targeted in terms of uh, selecting companies that um, we think are good targets to, to try and approach. And so 
we are trying to approach companies that that have some type of demonstrated uh, commitment to social responsibility, and um, you know have have a focus on this because there are there is a grow and and luckily for us um, and society at large, fortunately that group of companies um, are growing. So that's that's one thing is being highly targeted in terms of how we um, approach companies and what we've also learned in. Um, in our um, marketing adventures is that one of the challenges um, in, in terms of marketing benevity to companies is that we've built a platform that's very highly customizable, um, both from the company's perspective and in terms of what they can offer to uh, their customers because their customers can themselves have um, have a selection of, of causes and, and can be very, depending on how the company implements it and what type of choice they want to enable, it can be very flexible for the end user as well. And one of the challenges is because Benevity can be embedded into any transaction, it's sometimes tough to approach a company and say, hey, here's this great idea and, you know, really we could use it to to be the back end for any initiative that has charitable giving as its um as an element of it. And that's really challenging because it, it opens up the universe to be very, very large. And so one thing that we found is um, in addition to us being highly targeted in, in terms of the companies that we approach, um, we've also uh, tried to be more highly targeted in terms of what we propose to a particular company. So I really, I guess that's another way to say that is developing more customized pitches. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, yeah, I'm uh, really interested in what that what that looks like. What does a customized pitch look like, and how do you how do you really you know zero in on what that is? And the only reason what keeps coming back in my mind is is Petco. You know, it's my it's my pet store down the street. I go buy my cat food and rat food, and that's where we shop. And I can't remember because rats are awesome. By the way, let's get that on the table. Um, I can't remember the last time I didn't round up at the point of sale. They always have that thing. Do you want to, do you want to round up and leave your change for the, to spade and neuter your pets? I always round up. I, I think to myself, who wouldn't round up? I'd like to meet that person and figure out why they don't round up. Uh, you know, so, so this, this sort of, but that seems like such a broad, you know, it's a, I, I take that back. It's a very narrow focus. They have a, a very focused relationship with the organization and, and, you know that's how that works. But how do you take that to the next level and really help organizations focus on what makes the most sense to communicate to their users? Um, well, and and again, just there are a number of things. I mean, we, we try to, um, in addition to identifying a great target, um, as we have success in one segment, we're able to to go to other companies in that segment and and be able to. Uh, learn from those previous implementation implementations. So, as an example, uh, we have an implementation with iStock Photo, um, which which many people uh, may be familiar with. It's an online uh, community and commerce site that sells stock photos and videos. And as we learn from that implementation, we're able to go to other e-com and online retailers and say, "Here's what we've here's what we've learned there, and here's you know here's some of the success there, and and here's how it can." Um, be put into play into your business. Likewise, I mentioned earlier that we've had uh, uh, quite a bit of success with um, with a certain segment, employee incentive providers. And uh, you know, once once we've had success with with one company, there we're able to to really understand what their needs are, what they're trying to do, and then trans and then approach other companies 
um, in the segment. So part of it is learning from learning from our customers and being able to target the pitch that way. Um, sometimes people have a, a completely um, different need, and uh, so another another aspect of it is um, you know clearly just like in, in any marketing or sale, really being under, able to understand you know what the unmet needs of the segment are. That's that's another angle. And I think in terms of um, another area is is kind of the uh, the old uh, build wallet share approach, right? So sometimes um, you have a client that you know could use Benevity in a number of different ways. So you, you know that when you think about it, wow, they could use this for an employee giving program and they could use this to do some really uh, interesting um, customer-facing things because a lot of companies are already – um, you know, they're already, they're already, it's not just about cause marketing, it's, it's also about their corporate philanthropic or their social responsibility or community investment. It, it's an area that goes by many names, but in many cases, companies are making these investments. Um, and one of the complaints or the challenges that they have is, is they have organizations, nonprofit organizations that they have relationships with, they're making the investment, but a recurring challenge that they have is, how do we get our employees and customers involved in that? How do we actually make them aware of um, what we're doing? And, you know, we've even contemplated doing some, uh, we haven't done it, but doing guerrilla marketing, like, uh, you know, for, for targets that we're trying to approach, we've contemplated, you know, doing, a, you know, surveying known customers and saying, hey, do you, do you know if company X, you know, donates to or contributes, supports charities. And we know that the that some of these companies have great reputations and customers will probably say, yeah, yeah, I think they do. And then if you ask them, well, where specifically do they, you know, do they contribute in a community? You just know that the employees would say, or the customers would say, I have no idea. Right. And so it, that's kind of bringing to light that people are, companies are making these investments. And in many cases, they don't know that they're, um, that they're, customers and employees necessarily know about these investments, um, that they necessarily are, are um, building connections um, because of those investments. And the companies are saying to us, yeah, we're looking for a way to, to get employees and customers involved. And, and we see, um, for example, matching as a way to do that. So any company that is making a, a contribution to a nonprofit organization, instead of writing a check or, you know, or sponsoring something and writing and and contributing two hundred thousand dollars or whatever the amount is, you, you could build in matching and you could um, you could only make the investment when your when your customers and employees make that investment too, and you're connecting with them and you're and you're showcasing that you care as a company. And um, the, you know we were kind of having a discussion internal the other day, and we we were thinking of it almost as an analogy to pay-per-click advertising, right? It kind of, people said, hey, instead of, you know, paying for an ad, you could do pay-per-click and you only pay when somebody actually clicks on your ad. Well, matching could be, um, could transform sponsorship that way, you know, instead of just <laughs> it's a match, match per click. <laughs> it's match per click because instead of, um, you know, instead of, uh, writing that check, you're, you're basically saying, I'm going to take the same amount, I'm just going to take that X dollars out of the budget, and I'm going to put it into a, into a, a new initiative that allows my um, employees and customers and anyone else to, to get involved. And then, um, 
and I'm only going to pay when it's matched. So, um, you know, it, it, and that's something that really resonates. I was uh, talking to a, um, some prospective clients the other day, and they, they really liked that idea, uh, the idea of um, being able to, you know, whether it's in a loyalty, a loyalty um, example, so um, in addition to allowing their uh, customers to take loyalty points and make a donation to charity, they can also um, make their, those employees aware of the, of the charities that they're supporting by having a matching offer, by saying, hey, if you donate to our charities, we'll, we'll match it. You know what's so great about that? It, I, it really gets – coming from a you know, big company background, My one of the things that I – sort of remember is that we had so much trouble getting employees to volunteer for their own retirement plan, right? Yeah. They, 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 you know, either they just don't understand it. They don't understand the implications. They're not aware. If people aren't aware of their own retirement money, (laughs) you know, how do you get them over the hump to start giving, you know, giving sort of um, uh, reflexively, to charitable campaigns. They're not even giving to themselves. And so that that's, this sort of concept gets over that. Well, and also I think it's, it, Jana brings up an interesting point and it's, it's ironically something we discussed with the guest last week about, you know, Benevity has this great vision at the end of the road. They want people to be able to give to causes, you know, transactionally, just really simply um, in companies they're already doing business with. Um, but but there is this kind of baby step process, both with your customers and with consumers to get them to that point. So you may have this mm-hmm. great vision of like, at the end of the day, this is what it needs to look like. But really, you have to chunk it down to really digestible steps that people, you know, are more comfortable with, are more familiar with, you know, it's, so it's, it's relating to something that they are already comfortable with doing and you just kind of expand upon it. That's why I love that online banking um, example so much because online banking, you know, for, at least for me, the way I do it, it looks the same all the time. I mean, it always looks the same. And if there was a different tab that said charitable giving, that would be a dramatic difference from this, you know, functional, but somewhat non-interesting banking site, which is kind of what I want my banking site to be. But um, I, I just love that, that integration. But I do think it's a, it's a process and evolution. I don't know if you guys have found that at all. Oh, yeah, we absolutely have. And, that, and that's where I was going with that last line of thought is, you know, because it's a platform that can be built into um, any transaction, it could be used for all these, um, you know, that it's really only limited by a client's imagination in terms of how they could um, use Benevity in their business. And that is, you know, that is a big, that's part of the Benevity vision of being, you know, a a ubiquitous platform um, that that helps companies and their consumers and employees give. Um, But absolutely, we have had to, um, to be more strategic in terms of scenarios and and we've you know we talk about the platform and and really do talk about how it could be used in many different applications but then we quickly drill into well here are some of the main uh scenarios or main situations that e-commerce loyalty um uh online accounts so that the banking example is one of those um charitable gift cards and employee giving we those are really the main applications um Benevity, and we usually give people examples of those and, and, you know, show them the demos that we have on that. And that makes it really very tangible for people. 
Um, and further, what we've, what we've also done is learn from our customers in terms of there are some areas where uh, they are looking for a, a ready-made, you know, out-of-the-box solution. And, and in those cases, we've actually built um, SaaS-based products, and those two areas are uh, charitable gift cards and uh, employee giving. Um, and that's that's 100%, um, you know, customer and prospect feedback where they're saying, um, you know, in, in many cases it's a, um, a matter of resourcing because the Benevity platform can be integrated into any business transaction. And really, what companies are saying to us is that's great, especially if it's a if it's a customer facing uh, initiative that they're um, that they're likely to say yes. Let's uh, let's use the Benefit platform and embed it in our business, and we'll get our technical resources to incorporate that. Um, and then sometimes they're looking for a solution. For example, employee giving. That there was an area where people said we love the idea and we love the um, the idea of having corporate portfolios. We love the idea of being able to do matching in an automated way. We love the idea of giving our employees a um, a way to set up a personal foundation so that, you know, they can take their um, payroll deduction or they can take um, employee rewards and make and translate that into charitable giving. We love the concept of it, um, but really we don't have the resources to build it ourselves. We're looking for um, a ready-made solution. And so we said, hey, let's build a, a SaaS-based uh, workplace giving solution. You know, it's... So there's an it, it's a great example. It's a it's a wonderful example. Now you you guys uh, as a uh, as a platform, you don't have a, a you know a direct customer or a direct consumer application, right? I mean, there's no uh, you don't have a dashboard where I can go in and and set up my own charitable giving. It has to be through one of your partners, right? Right. Okay. Uh, right now, I mean that is. Um... That is a hotly uh, a hot topic. Well, that um, was my that was my next question. Is sort of what's uh, as we yeah. wrap up here? What's uh, what's next for Benevity that you uh, that you can talk about? It's such a great application for businesses and platforms to get involved with. But but where are you taking this? Um, I think where we're taking it is is we're definitely you know we're we're pretty excited. This week we uh, announced uh, a partnership that we have with OvoPay, which is a mobile payment provider, and and in partnership with them launched a, a new text to donate um, service. It's a new mobile giving solution that um, that has a number of uh, unique advantages, um, both for charities, for consumers, um, and for companies. Um, so that's something exciting that, that just happened this week, and, and we're actually uh, receiving quite a bit of, of awareness, and, and as a result, uh, people inquiring about how they might be able to use that, um, both nonprofits, um, Especially smaller nonprofits who haven't been able to um, make use of existing text to donate solutions, um, as, as well as people who are trying to uh, better understand, well, hey, how could I use how could I use some of the cause portfolio and other aspects, um, and and um, do some interesting things there. So mobile is is definitely an area where um, we're pretty excited about, and we're. We definitely have some focus there. Um, we're also uh, we're also very focused and, and very um, bullish on uh, employee giving. And I guess in general, as we continue to have a success in a certain uh, segment, whether it's employee incentives or online commerce, we're, we're finding that um, we're able to uh, to take that you know take that one success and and really go to to other uh, companies in the area 
and and say, hey, here's here's something that you could do. So um, I think we're we're pretty excited because the um, we're gaining some some serious momentum, and I, I think we'll see some some traction in a number of different segments. Um, to get back to your question about uh, consumer, you know, we we are. Uh, Currently, consumers don't have a Benevity account uh, per se. Uh, you're absolutely right that a, that a consumer uses uh, Benevity um, within, you know, within the um, the employee giving program or the um, employee rewards catalog. Or they they use Benevity. They consume Benevity um, as through, part of through their the employee package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there might come a day where uh, we certainly hope that we become ubiquitous and that there are so many uh, benevity implementations that that the time will come when it makes sense to have to have a consumer interface so that consumers can have a benevity account and they could accumulate um, all their or aggregate um, all the all the the donations that they need themselves and the and the um, the the donation dollars or um, that they're that they're using from you know making a donation at the local pet store or, or wherever they are that they all come together in one area. So that's definitely something that we've contemplated and and uh, you know have our technical minds figuring out how would we how would we address that. Well, I want it. Count me in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jana, uh, Jana Taylor, thank you so much for your uh, for your time today for sharing your uh, wisdom and background and uh, on Benevity. It's such a fantastic tool, and and I just hope lots and lots and lots of businesses jump in because uh, it's, me too. It's sure, it would make all of our lives better. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. We're uh, you know we're we're pretty excited about it, and uh, I'm I hope that. Uh, this was uh, interesting, and thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, be part of your podcast. Absolutely. Uh, before you uh, before you jump off here, where can people find out more about Benevity if they're interested in bringing it into their organizations? Um, what I would recommend is people can check out our website. It's uh, org. And uh, especially, uh, we have an overview video that is uh, way more entertaining than uh, listening to me talk. And it's at uh, benevity.org um, forward slash goodness 3.0. Wonderful. Wonderful. And we will put that up in the show notes. And, and once again, Jana Taylor from Benevity, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Dane, I'm so sorry you actually were not able to take part in that interview. She is uh, she is really um, that's what a great company. That was a great conversation. Megan uh, I missed it. Yeah, you did miss I know. it. Oh, you're gonna have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, no, it's just I really feel like they have so many amazing stories to create just via their product and to be able to tell and and you know it's going to be interesting to watch how they continue that education process to bring consumers along and bring companies along um to to share their vision and i think um you know they already are doing it so it's 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 bound to be successful as far as i'm concerned so well, it'll be fun to watch them yeah i mean they've got they've got some great partnerships on the website that's one of the things that i want i was you know really interested in on their website i wanted to see more of those sort of case analyses you know here is you know how we do what we do with real companies 
Right. Well, well, here's the thing. They're still, they're new. So they're still working on those things. Like when I interviewed the CEO a couple months ago, you know, he was saying, well, this one's in development, but we can't talk about it yet publicly because it's not a done deal yeah. yet. So, you know, they're still ramping up a lot of these great things. And I think we're going to see some of those case studies coming up pretty soon. So yeah, I mean, iStock I photo is about as, is about as far as they go on the website. Right. Uh, and I just think that's that is such a great story to to tell. So I look forward to to great things from Benevity. It's such a great, uh, it's just a terrific platform to have out there. There are quality people working on such such uh, do gooder stuff. Thank because you. I'm yeah. seriously it's not my people. It's my people. <laughs> Her heart's a bleeder. That's right. Uh, so uh, what else do we have to talk about, uh, Dane? This one is for you. Right. We have oh, a stretch great. to talk about. <laughs> a stretch? Well, I don't. Maybe so. But we were going to talk about tools, as we uh, are, are want to do at this portion of the show. Uh, and um, there's a story that we'd kind of reviewed that um, that sort of launches a, a little bit of a different conversation about tools. But uh, uh, viral video is kind of all the craze, right, with um, Old Spice's successful campaign this, this year. And, and not only that, but with... Um, you look at the numbers we discussed last week on uh, ad growth um, uh, of of so the internet ad growth is 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 up dramatically year over year um, and, and up more than any other um, uh, I guess advertising media um, but within advert or within internet um, marketing or internet advertising uh, spending the portion that's up the most is video very interesting so what what does that mean exactly and you know where are people putting their their video dollars online. I thought it was interesting. You know, Pete was talking earlier about um, earlier in the show about uh, uh, or, uh, iMovie, you know, Apple's new iLife suite and, and how much it's uh, how much easier it is to do quality videos in a shorter amount of time, uh, simpler to use, um, you know, more polished than ever and, and, and just a, a quick use. And then how much more deeply integrated iLife is with social media and your ability to share these things. And I just think at some point, um, at some point people with access to these tools should maybe not ever drink alcohol or, um, you know, <laughs> like it, you're going to have to put your own uh, restrictions on your behavior before you find yourself uh, with a video that, that, that you feel like sharing. But actually um, there was a, there was a little story uh, um, was it in uh, Fast Company? Fast Company about uh, viral <laughs> virality, viral video failures, and it focused on uh, some of the fun uh, political ads uh, or videos, <laughs> uh, which these are just such easy targets, I guess. You know, because you get like some old dude in Georgia that's running for treasurer or something who who says, "Hey, you know, grandson, grab a camera. We're going to get on this YouTube thing," and creates just the craziest video, um, which you know, got a, a million plus views, which I don't, I don't think in his wildest dreams, he thought, uh, would get that many views, but, uh, not for the reasons, uh, he probably had intended. So, so social media, there we are with old people again, social media in the hands of old people. That's, it is. Well, I mean, this a tricky is, thing. This Dude, is you're going to be in trouble. Hey, I'm an old guy. I feel like I can say something being old. Like I am. I'm a century old. Come on. The- Right. This is one of those things that uh, that I think is, it, you know, it's such a great tool to have at your fingertips to be able to create your message and get it out there right away. And this is this, you know, the, the link here is such a it's so brilliant when the result of that in 
you know, is the demon in sheep's clothing ad and, <laughs> uh, um, you know, some just hysterical Christine O'Donnell ad is just priceless. Uh, so we've got this link in the show notes and we, you should go watch it because it's, they're great non-examples. Uh, if you want to be a social media star, you should make videos like these. If you want to run for office, maybe you should not. Uh, maybe you should be real careful. Yeah. Careful. I, I careful mean, the, the, use of the tool. The, the good news is almost any company can create a commercial now, right? Yeah. And, and, and get it out there. Um, you know, the bad news is uh, almost anybody can create a commercial now <laughs> and get it out there. Um, yeah. And, and, and the truth is I, I really want to do more of this for, for clients. I want to, I want clients and I want to create viral videos for them. I had something I haven't done yet, but, um, man, I really, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're miss. You could be missing. The I'm boat. missing the boat, man. I, I mean, I see the qualities of this stuff, and I just think, you know, I want to do that. Clearly, the I, market I, I, is big. I want to do yeah, local commercials that air only after 11 p.m. And I want to do you know, viral <laughs> video for like the local plumber, for instance, no. stuff like that. Have you seen the? Uh, we need to wrap it up. But have you seen the video? The furniture. Uh, Love it. Video? Yeah. The uh, yes. I drink beer and I hunt small animals. I like long walks in the park, and we both love furniture. The, <laughs> one of my favorites. It's, local. It's I think it's localcommercials.com. It is probably that one. Anyway. So. So anyway, um, yep. enough out of me. Uh, so we'll think Dane, about that. Where can people find you if they want to find out your after eleven o'clock? Oh uh, yeah. Can I just say I'm so relieved to be able to in- inform you that um, you can find me on strike10media.com. Oh, that's finally up. My huh? site was down for a couple of days. Oh, Peter wow. did that. Well, yeah, I sent a lot of traffic with my key. My, uh, I was going to say with words. haunted Google AdWords. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, right, right. Strike10media.com and, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Can I tell a funny quick story, though, that's relevant? Yes. <laughs> I, I I just got to say this since you since we're talking about targeting each other with with Facebook AdWords, did everybody hear about the guy who wanted a job at an ad agency? So he targeted the names of owners and executives at advertising agencies on Madison Avenue um, on on the assumption that they sometimes Google themselves to see how they're you know how they're showing up yes. uh, on Google. And they saw ads targeting them with the keyword of their name from a guy looking for a job who got hired. So there you go. Brilliant. Wow. Megan, where can, people, where can people find you, you can find me with on your Twitter Google targeted AdWords? Without Google targeted AdWords on Twitter at Megan Strand or my website at encouraged.com with an I N encouraged really confuses me every time. <laughs> <laughs> in is in, uh, in style. Mine, uh, I am at uh, Pete Wright at the Twitter, and I am at fifthandmain.com. But you can also learn more about the show at thenakedmarketers.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. It's the very best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode of Naked Marketing Goodness. Uh, we are Naked Markets on Twitter and nkd marketers on facebook you can like us there too and we we still have our super secret uh facebook group that's right which is, is now just, it's just sitting <laughs> there it, it is up to 
That didn't quite have the social viral impact we were hoping for. Well, it's because we never invited anyone else. I think (laughs) we could, I think I could pinpoint where that stopped. (laughs) I think I can diagnose this one. Uh, And that's all we have. So on behalf of Dane and Megan, my name is Pete. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. And we will be with you next week for another episode of Naked Marketers.